Chapter forty five of the Deluge, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynette Calkins, Monument, Colorado. The Deluge, Volume two, by Henrik Sinkiewicz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin, eighteen thirty five to nineteen o six chapter forty five the despair of the sword-bearer was so great that olenka had to comfort him and give assurance that the money was not to be looked on as lost for the letter itself would serve as a note and radzivill the master of so many estates in lithuania and russia had something from which to recover but since it was difficult to foresee what might still meet them especially if Bogoslav returned to Tarogi victorious, they began to think of flight the more eagerly. Olenka advised to defer everything till Ketling's recovery, for Brown was a gloomy and surly old soldier, carrying out commands blindly, and it was impossible to influence him. As to Ketling, the lady knew well that he had wounded himself to remain in Tarogi, hence her deep faith that he would do everything to aid her it is true that conscience disturbed her incessantly with the question whether for self-safety she had the right to sacrifice the career and perhaps the life of another but the terrors hanging over her in tarogi were so dreadful that they surpassed a hundredfold the dangers to which ketling could be exposed ketling as an excellent officer might find service and a more noble service elsewhere and with it powerful protectors such as the king pan Sapieha or pan charnyetsky and he would besides serve a just cause and would find a career grateful to that country which had received him as an exile death threatened him only in case he fell into bogoslav's hands but bogoslav did not command yet the whole commonwealth olenka ceased to hesitate and when the health of the young officer had improved she sent for him ketling stood before her pale emaciated without a drop of blood in his face but always full of respect homage and submission at sight of him tears came to olenka's eyes for he was the only friendly soul in tarogi and at the same time so thin and suffering that when olenka asked how his health was he answered alas my lady health is returning and it would be so pleasant to die you should leave this service said she looking at him with sympathy for such an honourable man needs assurance that he is serving a just cause and a worthy master alas repeated the officer when will your service end in half a year olenka was silent a while then she raised her wonderful eyes which at that moment had ceased to be stern and said listen to me i will speak to you as to a brother as to a sincere confidant you can and you should resign when she had said this she confessed to him everything both their plans of escape and that she relied on his assistance she represented to him that he could find service everywhere and a service as good as was his spirit and honourable as knightly honour could obtain at last she finished with the following words i shall be grateful to you till death i wish to take refuge under the guardianship of god and to make a vow to the lord in a cloister but wherever you may be far or near 
in war or in peace, I shall pray for you. I will implore God to give peace and happiness to my brother and benefactor, for I can give him nothing save gratitude and prayer. Here her voice trembled, and the officer listened to her words, growing pale as a kerchief. At last he knelt, put both hands to his forehead, and said in a voice like a groan, "'I cannot, my lady. I cannot.' "'Do you refuse me?' asked Olenka, with amazement. "'Oh, great merciful God!' said he. "'From childhood no lie has risen on my lips. No unjust deed has ever stained me. While still a youth I defended with this weak hand my king and country.' why lord dost thou punish me so grievously and send on me suffering for which as thou seest strength fails me here he turned to olenka my lady you do not know what an order is for a soldier an obedience is not only his duty but his honour and reputation an oath binds me my lady and more than an oath the word of a knight that I shall not throw up my service before the time, and that I will fulfill what belongs to it blindly. I am a soldier and a noble, and so help me God, never in my life will I follow the example of those who betray honor and service. And I will not break my word, even at your command, at your prayer, though I say this in suffering and pain." if having an order not to let any one out of tarogi i were on guard at the gate and if you yourself wished to pass against the order you would pass only over my corpse you did not know me my lady and you were mistaken in me but have pity on me understand that i cannot aid you to escape i ought not to hear of such a thing the order is express for brown and the five remaining officers of us here have received it my god my god if i had foreseen such an order i should have preferred to go on the campaign i shall not convince you you will not believe me and still god sees let god judge me after death whether it is true that i would give my life without hesitation but my honour i cannot i cannot then ketling wrung his hands was silent from exhaustion and began to breathe quickly Olenka had not recovered yet from her amazement. She had not time to pause or estimate properly that spirit, exceptional in its nobleness. She felt only that the last plank of salvation was slipping from her hands. The only means of escape from hated captivity was failing her, but still she tried to resist. "'I am,' said she, after a while, "'the granddaughter and the daughter of a soldier.' my grandfather and father also valued honour above life but precisely for that reason they would not let themselves be used blindly for every service ketling drew with trembling hand from his coat a letter gave it to olenka and said judge my lady if this command does not concern service olenka cast her eyes over the letter and read as follows since it has come to our knowledge that Bilovich, the sword-bearer of Rossieni, intends to leave our residence in secret with plans hostile to us, namely to excite his acquaintances, connections, relatives, and clients to rebellion against his Swedish majesty and us, 
we recommend to the officers remaining in garrison at tarogi to guard bilovich and his niece as hostages and prisoners of war and not to permit their flight under pain of loss of honor and court-martial etc the order came from the first stopping-place after the departure of the prince said ketling therefore it is in writing the will of god be done said olenka after a while it is accomplished ketling felt that he ought to go still he did not stir his pale lips moved from moment to moment as if he wished to say something and could not get the voice he was oppressed by the desire to fall at her feet and implore forgiveness but on the other hand he felt that she had enough of her own misfortune and he found a certain wild delight in this that he was suffering and would suffer without complaint at last he bowed and went out in silence but in the corridor he tore the bandages from his fresh wound and fell fainting to the floor when an hour later the palace guard found him lying near the staircase and took him to the barracks he became seriously ill and did not leave his bed for a fortnight olenka after the departure of ketling remained some time as if dazed death had seemed to her more likely to come than that refusal and therefore at first in spite of all her firm temper of spirit strength energy failed her she felt weak like an ordinary woman and though she repeated unconsciously let the will of god be done sorrow for the disappointment rose above her resignation copious and bitter tears flowed from her eyes at that moment her uncle entered and looking at his niece divined at once that she had evil news to impart hence he asked quickly for god's sake what is it ketling refuses all here are ruffians scoundrels arch curs how is this and he will not help not only will he not help answered she complaining like a little child but he says that he will prevent even should it come to him to die why by the lord's wounds why for such is our fate ketling is not a traitor but such is our fate for we are the most unhappy of all people may the thunderbolts crush all those heretics cried bilovich they attack virtue plunder steal imprison would that all might perish it is not for honest people to live in such times here he began to walk with hurried step through the chamber threatening with his fists at last he said gritting his teeth the vovoda of vilna was better i prefer a thousand times even kmita to these perfumed ruffians without honour and conscience when olenka said nothing but began to cry still more bilovich grew mild and after a while said do not weep kmita came to my mind only because that he at least would have been able to wrest us out of this babylonian captivity he would have given it to all the browns ketlings pattersons to boguslav himself but they are all the same type of traitors weep not you can do nothing with weeping here it is necessary to counsel ketling will not help may he be twisted we will do without him you have as it were a man's courage in you but in difficulty you are only able to sob what does ketling say he says that the prince has given orders to guard us as prisoners of war fearing uncle that you would collect a party and go to the confederates bilovich put his hands on his hips ha 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 he is afraid the scoundrel 
and he is right for i will do so as god is in heaven having a command relating to service ketling must carry it out on his honour well we shall get on without the assistance of heretics olenka wiped her eyes and does my uncle think it is possible i think it is necessary and if it is necessary it is possible though we had to let ourselves down by ropes from these windows it was wrong for me to shed tears let us make plans as quickly as we can her tears were dry her brows contracted again from thought and her former endurance and energy it appeared in fact that bilovitch could find no help and that the imagination of the lady was much richer in means but it was difficult for her since it was clear that they were guarded carefully they determined therefore not to try before the first news came from Bogoslav. in this they placed all their hope trusting that the punishment of god would come on the traitor and the dishonourable man besides he might fall he might be confined to his bed he might be killed by sapia and then without fail there would rise in all tarogi a panic and the gate would not be guarded so carefully i know sapia said bilovitch comforting himself and olinka he is a slow warrior but accurate and wonderfully stubborn an example of this his loyalty to the king and country he pledged and sold everything and thus has gained a power before which Bogoslav is as nothing one is a dignified senator the other a fop one a true catholic the other a heretic one is cleverness itself the other a water-burner with whom may victory and the blessing of god be this radzivill might well yield to sapia's day just as if there are not punishment and justice in this world we will wait for news and pray for sapia's success then they began to wait but a month passed long wearisome for afflicted hearts before the first courier came and he was sent not to tarogi but to steinbach in royal prussia ketling who from the time of the last conversation dared not appear before olenka's eyes sent her at once a card with the following announcement prince Bogoslav has defeated pan krzysztof sapia near bransk some squadrons of cavalry and infantry are cut to pieces he is marching on Tykotsin, where Horokievich is stationed. For Olinka, this was simply a thunderbolt. The greatness of a leader and the bravery of a knight meant for her the same thing. Since she had seen Bogoslav at Torogi overcoming the most valiant knights with ease, she imagined him to herself, especially after that news, as an evil but invincible power against which no one could stand the hope that Bogoslav might be defeated died in her completely in vain did her uncle quiet her and comfort her with this that the prince had not yet met sabia in vain did he guarantee to her that the very dignity of hetman with which the king had invested him recently must give positive preponderance over Bogoslav. she did not believe this she dared not who can conquer Bogoslav? who can meet him asked she continually further news seemed to confirm her fears a few days later ketling sent another card with information touching the defeat of horokievich and the capture of tykotsin all poryasi writes he is in the hands of the prince who without waiting for sapia is moving against him with forced marches 
and Sapieha will be routed, thought the maiden. Meanwhile, news from other directions flew to them, like a swallow heralding springtime. To that seashore of the Commonwealth this news came late, but because of its lateness it was decked in all the rainbow gleams of wonderful legend from the first ages of Christianity, when saints proclaiming truth and justice still traveled over the earth. Chenstohova! Chenstohova! was repeated by every mouth. Ice thawed from hearts which bloomed like flowers in the earth warmed by the sun of spring. Chenstohova has defended itself. Men had seen the Queen of Poland herself, the Virgin Mary, shielding the walls with her heavenly mantle, the bombs of the robbers at her holy feet, crouching like house-dogs. The hands of the Swedes were withered, their muskets grew fast to their faces, till they retreated in terror and shame. Men, strangers to one another, when they heard these tidings, fell the one into the embraces of the other, weeping from delight. Others complained that the tidings came too late. "'But we were here in weeping,' said they. "'We were in pain. We lived in torment so long, when we should have been rejoicing.' Then it began to roar through the whole commonwealth, and terrible thunders were heard from the Euxine to the Baltic, so that the waves of both seas were trembling. Then faithful people, pious people, rose up like a storm in defense of their queen. Consolation entered all hearts. All eyes were flashing with fire. What hitherto had seemed terrible and invincible grew small in their eyes. "'Who will finish him?' said Bilovich. "'Who will be his equal? Now do you know who?' "'The Most Holy Lady.' The old man and his niece lay for whole days in the form of a cross, thanking God for his mercy on the commonwealth, and doubting their own rescue no longer. But for a long period there was silence concerning Bogoslav, as if he with all his forces had fallen into water. The officers remaining in Tarogi began to be disquieted, and to think of their uncertain future. They would have preferred defeat to that deep silence, but no news could come, for just then the terrible Babinich was rushing with his Tartars in front of the prince and stopping all couriers. End of chapter 45